Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. It's Liz Broder. Happy March. Although I know this is not my first episode in March, but happy March and happy spring ahead. We just sprung ahead. And I bring that up because if you've been with me since the beginning, this was milestone goal number four between back in November and Memorial Day weekend. So checking in, how's your goal going? We're almost there. I love these little milestone date goals because they really do help the time fly and they're, you know, they break it down into smaller chunks rather than looking at it as like, 22 weeks or whatever it was, you're, it's like every four weeks you have a little check-in. So here we are. We're already springing ahead. We're, you know, lights at the end of the tunnel. We're almost to spring. Hang in there. So hope everyone's doing well. Check in, reset, get started wherever you are on the journey. No shame. Give it your all. Okay. Today's episode. Well, before I get on the topic, I have to say I have been on one this week. This week has needed to end. It's just the week of endless annoying people. Have you ever had one of those weeks where everyone's just annoying? I can maybe think of about three people right now that I don't find to be annoying or insufferable. And I'm actually relatively tolerant, believe it or not. But what grinds your gears? Am I alone in this? I, I like to think not. And this isn't like my normal. I don't typically find everyone super annoying. You know, living in New York City, you learn to not see things. You walk down the street. There's a homeless man peeing and exposing himself. You don't see it. You keep walking. There's a group of teenagers dicking around. They're shattering bottles. They're drinking from Grey Goose. One of them has a baseball bat. You don't want to know what's on their docket for the evening, but you don't see it and you just keep walking. That's survival in New York City. I have honed that craft after 11 years here. But for whatever reason, this week, everyone's a fucking idiot. The homeless man is annoying. Those crazy kids, I think, should be locked up. And I, 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 everyone's bothering me. But I, I will say, the only person not bothering me is Sadie. Sadie is still verbally assaulting 3G, the neighbors, and handing out verbal punishments as she sees fit. But she is not annoying at all, ever. Um, and this week, actually, in particular, I am more grateful for her than ever because I love her. She provides me comfort, and she's incredible companionship always agrees with me. Anyway, one particular bee in my bonnet, I have to just get off my chest. I had a date with a lawyer this week. First of all, they never stopped talking. This is not my first date with a lawyer. So I did know that going in. Some are worse than others, but didn't stop talking. Wouldn't allow me to answer one question without asking another. He was grilling me about dumb shit. Then nutrition started telling me all about his diet and habits and his journey. And then has the nerve afterwards to text me and say he had a great time. Like, I bet you had a great time. You just got a free nutrition counseling session, bud. Me, on the other hand, I'm exhausted from all the pro bono work I've been doing since joining the dating apps. Because let me tell you, everyone wants to tell you about their diet and ask you questions and not listen to your answer but then ask the same question in a different way, hoping for a different answer. That's the skinny on dating as a dietitian. But I can say this guy has been blocked, unmatched, reported, blacklisted, and about any other action I could take to make sure 
I don't see or hear from this person again. And just a note to the listeners, if you're seeing a dietitian, you know, you're seeing them in a professional capacity, tell them everything. They're going to ask you a million questions. Be as specific as possible. They're there to help you. But if you're on a date or at a dinner party, no one wants what you ate every day for the last seven days. And then for you to grill them with questions about how they can improve. Like, that's not dinner party conversation. If you want to ask me my take on, you know, a recent study that came out, something that's making headlines, Ozempic, for example, that's like a big one in the news. You want to ask, oh, your dietitian, what do you think? That's fine. But when you start getting into the personals, the specifics, and expect me, it's like, first of all, I need so much more information and background than what people provide. Second, I'm tired. I don't work for free. And is this really the appropriate place for you to tell me about your bowel movements? You know, like if you're going to sit here at this party and give me all this breakdown, I'm going to, I'm going to ask specifics. It's not really appropriate. So just note to the audience, you meet a dietitian, please respect their time. (sighs) Okay, moving on. Today I'm going to talk about tracking, logging, and food diaries. I will use these terms interchangeably today, just FYI. So why are they so fucking painful and tedious? First off, as we know from Dr. Molly a few weeks back and James Clear's Atomic Habits, making habits stick, you need to make them enjoyable and attractive. So that's one of James Clear's recipes for making habits stick. And like I said, Dr. Molly touched on it. There's a few things, but specifically make them enjoyable, make them attractive. You're never going to stick to food locking if it's miserable, ugly, and not enjoyable at all. So how do we make them food logs or food logging, enjoyable and attractive. That's at the crux of it and basically the crux of every habit, how to make it actually stick is figuring out how to make it attractive and enjoyable. But first, let me tell you why they're helpful. So keeping food journals has been shown to double weight loss progress. In a 2008 study, it was a weight loss study done by the Kaiser Institute with nearly 1,700 participants. Those who kept daily food records lost twice as much weight as those who kept no records. That's pretty dramatic. That's a pretty, pretty telling study. So losing twice as much weight versus those who didn't keep records. I mean, to me, that's pretty motivating to keep a food diary if I'm trying to lose weight. So why log? Why keep a food diary? First off, great, great added layer of accountability. It provides insight into your patterns and it really helps you pinpoint areas for growth and change. I like them because they provide tangibles. You can look at the data, review it, and say, oh, wow, I'm really not good with portions. I need to focus on that. Or, wow, I realized I late night snacked four nights last week. I need to reduce that. It's like a step counter. Numbers don't lie. The diary doesn't lie. I mean, you can lie and put in in incorrect portions, incorrect information, but then you know you're lying and you know the feedback is not accurate. But like a step counter, it's not going to lie. The information is there, you see what you've had, you can go from there. It allows you to figure out where your issues lie and determine where you need to make changes to proceed and improve. So it's definitely a tool for weight loss. And if you are tracking for weight loss, I recommend tracking what you're eating, when you're eating, portion sizes, so how much you're eating, hunger level, this is really important. Hunger level is going to help you determine if you're emotionally eating. So If your hunger level is low and you just ate a pizza, why did you eat that pizza? Were you bored? Were you sad? Were you stressed? So those are important. It's important to know water, not just what you're eating, but what you're drinking, water, soda, alcohol, 
sleep, exercise, get a grasp on your steps, what kind of what kind of natural activity do you have in your day regardless of exercise? So like that's a good baseline to have. So getting your steps, like I said, exercise if you do it, and just writing down your habits in general. Do you meal plan, meal prep? Did you pack a lunch or bring it to work? And figuring out what your days really look like. It's also important to focus on how frequently you consume specific foods, like your fruits and vegetables, protein. So how often do you have red meat, fish, chicken, how much sugar are you consuming? Where's your fiber intake? And then another one I find is really big for people is takeout and ordering out. So how often did you eat out? How often did you seamless or DoorDash food in? That's an easy way that we get added sodium, added calories, things like that. So definitely keeping track of that. And I'd say after three to four weeks of food logging, all of this info, it will definitely tell you a lot and provide direction for where to proceed if you feel like you're doing everything you can in trying to lose weight and not really getting results. This will at least give you some sort of direction, provide insight into your habits. Now, why I really love food logs is because they're also a tool for gut issues. So if you're having, you know, if you've recently recognized a change in bowel habits, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, and you're like, something's up. I feel like I have a food intolerance. I feel like I have an allergy. I don't know what it is. Definitely keep a food log. You want to pay attention to when you're pooping. Where is it on the Bristol stool chart? Which, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, is about consistency. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't and you're interested in learning about what the different consistencies mean. It's also, I will caveat that with, it's important to understand your baseline for frequency and consistency of poop so you can figure out if you are constipated, if this is an irregular bowel movement, if you are pooping more than normal. Those are things you need to know your consistency and that's what you mark down. Again, important to take note of what you ate, how much of it and when, your mood, energy, sleep, and like I mentioned, gas, bloating, constipation, nausea, any deviations in poop color, consistency, irregularity, all of that. That's all really important to note. And of course, being specific with your food, because then of course that's going to correspond. Not necessarily, but it, it may correspond with changes in your bowel habits and GI issues. So being as detailed as possible, you're never going to regret having too much detail. Just writing down that you had pizza at four o'clock is not helpful. How much pizza? Where were you? How hungry were you? How quickly did you eat it? How did you feel after? Why did you eat it? Was it lunchtime? Did you want it? Were you social pressured? Like there's, there's reasons we eat certain food and certain things. And so it's really important to take note of your environment as well. So what to look for when you're reviewing. It's important to track for an adequate amount of time to actually recognize patterns. And the longer, the better. Like anything, the more data we have, the more generalizable it will be to us, the better we can use it to move forward with changes. So especially when looking at bell habits and trends, I'd say do it for at least a month, four weeks, before you start to draw conclusions and patterns. You also want to pay attention to which days of the week are your strongest, which are your worst days, which days need the most attention. What do your most successful days look like? Why do they look like that? How are you starting and ending those days? What's the structure? So really tuning into your actual habits. Are you up early on those days? Do you have an alarm set? Are you allowing yourself to sleep in? Do you start the day off with a workout? Do you, Like I said previously, do you meal prep? Do you bring your lunch to work? What is it about your most successful days that makes them most successful? Are your weekends deviating drastically from your weekdays? So weekends is a spot I find a lot of people struggle with. Comparing your weekends to your weekdays will help you a lot as well. So again, as much detail as possible. 
Now, how to track. Okay, three things I get into. You can track in apps, you can handwrite it, or you can do pictures. Whatever's easiest for you. Now, this goes back to what I said in the beginning from Dr. Molly and James Clear's Atomic Habits. We need to make tracking attractive and something we want to do. So if it's tedious, you're never going to do it. What's most appealing to you? If you're someone who likes apps, if you're someone who likes handwriting, if you're someone who prefers pictures, that's for you to decide. There's no like better or best. It's really about you and what you like and what you're going to stick to. So for apps, based on my research and people I know and clients, some popular apps people really enjoy are Goalify, Habitica, Streaks, MyFitnessPal, and Chronometer. In terms of handwriting, as we all know, I love gel pens. I love agenda books. I like handwriting. So I also like being able to see everything laid out. So for me, being able to compare yesterday to today, Monday's lunch to Tuesday's lunch, and so on, it's nice to see it all side by side. I like that visual. When I keep track of things like that right now, I make sure it's on paper where you can see it all lined up next to each other. That's just me. I'm visual like that. Not everyone cares. Not everyone needs that. If you do, find an app that does that for you or make sure your handwritten log has it like that. And third and final is pictures. You can keep a photo diary. For that, I encourage taking pictures before and after so you see what you ate and then by the end, how much you ate. For me personally, I fucking hate pictures, so I could never do that, but that's what makes the world go round. So figuring out what actually is going to be feasible for you and your schedule, what's the least tedious, what you're going to enjoy the most. That's what's going to actually help make this stick and make it become a part of your routine. Now, why do I like food logs? So there's satisfaction in planning out meals and checking them off, writing them down. Like I've mentioned a million times, gel pens, I like checking things off, I keep a list, I check it 30 times. If I have something that I need to do and I don't know I need to do it and it's not on the list, but then I do it, I will go back, add it to the list and check it off because I like doing it so much. So satisfaction and seeing it all planned out, checking it off. It's also motivating to see when you're on a healthy streak. This encourages people to keep going. For example, say you had an amazing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now you're going out Friday. You're out to eat, bigger portions, there's alcohol, but you know you have just slayed this week. A lot of people are much more likely to stay on that healthy path because they don't want to veer off track from how well they've been doing. That is what the visual reminder can provide you from food logs. So that's another reason to, to do them. It's a visual reminder, an added layer of accountability. And like I've been saying this whole time, they're also very insightful. So one of my favorite things when I first meet with someone, you know, how much water you drink? As we all know, stickler for hydration over here. Easy question. How much water do you drink? I drink a lot. What's a lot? Or what do your portions look like? Oh, I have small portions. What is small? It's very important to actually have a number on there. How many ounces? How many ounces are your portions? How many ounces of water? Understanding what the actual information is. Because to say you drink a lot or eat small portions, but I'm not losing weight, well, maybe one of those or both of those is not actually accurate. You're probably not drinking enough water. You're probably not having portions that are as small as you think. So Tracking is really all about consistency and honesty, but it's really, really insightful if you actually keep track and do what you're supposed to do. Now, a few closing remarks. I tried to keep it brief today. So if you're struggling to lose weight or you suspect a food intolerance or you're experiencing GI issues, start with some logging. Most importantly, you've got to be honest. You've got to be consistent. 
look back, observe your patterns and trends, and go from there. If it's GI-related, really pay attention to your bowel movements, any diarrhea, any nausea, constipation, even vomiting, anything that may indicate there's an issue. And of course, looking at what you ate on those days and the day before surrounding days and how much, because that's going to give you insight into what you're not tolerating. Another thing I like to remind people when, if you are honing in on GI issues, energy and mood, that's a really big one to pay attention to, because as we know, the gut speaks to the brain, the brain speaks to the gut, and an unhappy gut can absolutely cause an unhappy mind, leading to things like fatigues, depression, irritability, lethargy, and so on. So those are really big factors. And energy and mood, even if you're not experiencing GI issues and you're just tracking for weight loss, those are big too with like your sugar intake, having lean protein intake, your hydration. Those are things that'll be impact if you're having way too much sugar, you're dehydrated. So energy and mood, while yes, they're not food, those you will notice changing as you change your diet or as you remove things that you are intolerant to. So really important to track that as well. And I hope that was helpful and insightful. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and or subscribe to the Shit Talk podcast. I'd really appreciate it. I have some very exciting guests in the weeks to come. So try to keep today brief because the next few weeks will be a little bit longer, more conversational. And that's it. I hope everyone has an amazing week.